Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I am not Vicar Joel, who was supposed to be sharing his farewell sermon today, but unfortunately he is under the weather. Today we talk about religion and how Jesus is greater than religion. It's important, I think, for us to have a, a working understanding or a definition of the word religion. The Oxford Dictionary describes religion as a pursuit or interest to which someone ascribes supreme importance. The Greek word is used for this reverence or worship expressed in ritual acts. Really, it could be anything that you spend time pursuing. Entertainment, sports, we like to say that the human heart is an idol-making factory. But where does it appear in Scripture? In Acts, Luke writes that human traditions applied to their belief or lifestyle of that of a Pharisee. Colossians here talks about religion as a human teaching. James says that knowledge without a lifestyle transformation is empty religion. See, religion's only mentioned a few times in Scripture, and, and almost every time it's in a negative context. In fact, James is the only one who says something in a positive context. He says that pure religion, pure religion is caring for widows and orphans. See, it has nothing to do with worship. It's the lifestyle of somebody following Christ when it's in its pure form. You see, Paul was concerned about all the false teaching that was circulating in the Greco-Roman world, constantly correcting other churches. And, and whether philosophies that are spoken are religious or secular, this text from Paul to the Colossians warns, don't be led astray, do not be taken captive. Jesus is better than religion. So we should be on our guard not to let religion capture us. Well, how does religion capture us? I'm a, a fan of Chris Pratt, an American movie star, and he says this, I think there's a distinction between being religious, adhering to the customs created by man, oftentimes appropriating the awe reserved for who I believe is a very real God, and using it to control people, to take money from people, to abuse children, to steal land, to justify hatred, whatever it is. The evil that's in the heart of every single man has globbed onto the back of religion and come along for the ride. I think sometimes it might even be difficult to separate those two concepts. So when somebody who's not a part of the church speaks poorly about religion, it's easy for us sometimes to take offense. To be taken captive is to be confined, to be restrained. It's a, it's a loss of freedom or ability to move about at will. Now this verb to carry off it's the, the language used by, by people who are taking captive, being taken captive during war and carried away as a prisoner. I spent some time this past week wanting to illustrate the experience of a POW. And I read story after story after story that was just absolutely heartbreaking. I couldn't find a single one that was not graphic enough that was safe to share in this setting. But it was heartbreaking, miserable, inhumane conditions that the longer and longer somebody would be in these camps, the weaker and more frail their body and their mind and their soul would become. 
unable to rescue themselves. The rescue needs to come from someone else, from an outside source. And we, in our condition of, of being captured, are in the exact same position. We, we, are, we are too frail to bring any kind of salvation to ourselves. In, Paul, in, in this text today, Paul describes our former status from which God rescued us by way of our baptism. He says that they are dead. That they are dead means both that they lack a true spiritual life and that they are doomed to eternal life in hell. Their rescue, our rescue, is done purely by the work of God, by way of our baptism. Our need for being saved is not caused only by our individual sins, the sins that we do on a day-to-day basis. It's, it's much, much worse than that. Because even if we were able to just stop sinning from this point forevermore, we would still need rescue from God for our sinful nature, that original sin into which all of us have been born. And this happens through what Paul describes as the circumcision of Christ, not done by human hands, but through the waters of our baptism. That baptism is not this religious ritual that we do that somehow pleases God, but rather it is a supernatural act of our Heavenly Father adopting us into His family, calling us His own sons and daughters, washing away that stain of original sin from our bodies, making us pure and holy and righteous in His sight. And yet we can turn that beautiful sacrament into works and righteousness, something that we do. Now I'm sure that for many of us, myself included, from time to time, it's easy to get carried away and held captive by what the media presents in front of us. Social media echo chambers only show us the things that we agree with and, and appreciate, and, and, and when we get stuck in those echo chambers, we can have this sense of huge distrust for anybody else who says anything differently. I'm reminded of Sam's, Pastor Sam's sermon last Sunday, that we are taught to draw dividing lines in this world, but it is Christ who knits us together. Jesus holds us in unity. See, this world promises freedom in all kinds of sources, but in reality, it only serves to enslave and capture and imprison us. Whatever we make the source of our happiness or our security in the world will hold us captive. There's the obvious things, money, sex, and power, but then maybe the less harmful things. Sports, for example. Man, I love Kansas State football. I am religious about Kansas State football. I know the stats, I know the players, I know where they came from, I know the recruiting, I know the coaching staff. I love Kansas State football. Detroit Tigers baseball, Riley Green, Oviedo hometown boy, leadoff hitter for the Tigers. And I follow the news, I watch the reports, I get the statistics. I'm religious about Kansas State football and Tigers baseball. And that's not a good thing. Loving our family and friends, filling our schedule with events, being constantly busy, we can be held captive. The drive to be successful or raise successful children, we can be held captive by social, government, religious issues. See, anytime we seek 
guidance, and security from creation rather than the Creator, we will always result in disaster. Jesus is greater than religion. Jesus fills us. He fills us. Verse 9 and 10 in today's reading, for in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. This sense of fullness is is mind-blowing to me, that the fullness, the all-encompassing greatness and awesome and mighty and power and authority of God is in Christ. There's no aspect of God that is not embodied in Christ. The fullness of God is in Him, and He is in you. Think about that. The fullness of Christ is in you through faith. That almost changes the way you carry yourself. Almost changes the way that you, you encounter struggles and difficulties. God in you, through Christ, filled us with the power of the Holy Spirit I think that gives us a presence that sometimes we maybe or often miss. Now, what's, being, what's the result of being filled by Christ? Well, when, you, when you're filled by Christ, He replaces all the things that are negative inside of you. He takes away, there's no more room for worry or fear or anxiety or doubt or anger. He fills you with Himself to overflowing. There's no more room for anything of fear. The confidence that we receive when we are walking in Him, knowing that He is full in you. And Paul says, therefore, walk in Him. Well, what in the world does that mean? Well, walking is, is it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Walking is something that is intentional. In, this day, in, in, in that day and age, walking was your, your primary source of travel. You would just walk to get from point A to point B. Today, walking is something we do for recreation. But walking, it's a way of life. And if you want to get from point A to point B in your lifestyle, then it takes Certain steps moving forward, intentional, walking closer and closer in Christ. How do you do that? Paul gives us three ways that we walk in Christ. The first way is that he says we are rooted in Him. To be rooted in Him means your roots press down deep and wrap around God as your source of of nutrient-rich faith that you live in your life. Uh, I have far too many hobbies that I, I maybe can get to one hobby once a year, but I'm thinking about picking up a new one because that's what I like to do. I like to learn new things. And, and one new thing that I'd like to learn is the art of growing and trimming a bonsai tree. And what I've come to, to start to understand is one of the ways that you keep the bonsai tree in its miniature form is that you, you remove a vast majority of, of roots, maybe not a majority, but a lot of the root system, you plant it in a shallow pot where it receives a little bit of nutrient and it grows a little bit. Well, I wonder if maybe here today we have some bonsai Christians. Maybe we've become root-bound. Maybe we're not receiving the fullness of the nutrients that we need. Maybe it's time that we be repotted or planted in the ground 
planted in the ground of the cross where our, our, our roots can dig deep around and embrace all of the fullness of Christ. Let our lives be nourished by Him in abundance. Being rooted down. That's the first thing that Paul says about walking in Jesus. The second thing that Paul says that means to walk in Jesus is to be built up. Rooted down and built up. That this lifestyle that we live as, a, as somebody who is following after Christ is one that we build layer upon layer upon layer until we grow and grow and grow into the men and women that God designed us to be. Built up. So we are rooted down. We are being rooted. We are being built. And then the third one is that we abound in thanksgiving. Now, this is interesting because the first two were passive. We are being rooted. We are being built. Those, the, the noun of those passive verbs is God. God is the one who is rooting us down. God is the one who is building us up. But the third one is the thing that we do. We abound in thanksgiving. That's what we are called to do as we walk in Christ. We've pointed this out before, but I absolutely love this. The Greek word in the middle of thanksgiving is grace. That we encounter more and more grace when we give more and more thanksgiving. That we, we perceive that grace with grateful hearts. And we, we bask in that. Abounding in thanksgiving. To have a grateful heart is one that constantly looks for the blessings of God. Because you, you will find what you're looking for. If you are looking for reasons to complain or be bitter or be angry or frustrated, this world will fill you with plenty of examples. But if you wake up in the morning and you have the mindset of, I am going to be looking for the blessings of God. In fact, I am going to be expecting to see the blessings of God. You will see the blessings of God. And you will abound in thanksgiving. You will find what you're looking for. Abound in thanksgiving. And the primary reason why we abound in thanksgiving is because of the grace of the gospel. The gospel is the reason for our thanksgiving. There's a, a, a great, great song, a contemporary music worship song called Rattle. And it comes, it comes from the concept of Ezekiel 37. These, uh, these are, this is the sound of dry bones rattling, right? This, these old dead bones that are now rattling that are about to take on flesh again and come alive. What was dead is now alive, this resurrection kind of idea. Chris Brown was the lead singer and, and one of the songwriters. And he shared that this song Rattle came out of COVID-19, because he and the, and the other songwriters were connected to people who died and, and knew that many, many other people experienced great loss during this pandemic, and they were moved by this, that this concept of death does not get the last word, that the resurrection gets the last word. These dry bones that are just broken and dead, will rattle and come alive in Christ. You see, the cross and what happened there is personal. It's personal because it was my sin that Jesus carried to that cross. It's personal because it was my sin that received the, the judgment of God. 
It's personal because it, it was my sin that held Jesus to that cross. And my sin that was completely consumed. It's my sin that no longer exists. It's my sin that's been carried away. And I am set free. There's no more sin of mine left to judge. And the same is true for each and every one of you. Do not be held captive by religion. Walk in Jesus. God does two of those parts. He pushes your roots down deep to receive Christ. He builds your life one level at a time. And the one thing that we are to do is abound in thanksgiving. And may the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.